Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hi everybody, welcome to Scattered. We are in the last part of Colossians 1 today from verse 24 and we're going on into chapter 2 until verse 5. So far, Paul has spent time in this letter encouraging the Colossians, reminding them who Jesus is and what he's done. Um, He's writing this letter to this church that he's never actually visited himself because there is some kind of false teachers who are trying to influence this church and Paul wants to refute it um, and encourage the Colossians not to shift from the hope they have in the gospel. So as we come to this passage today, starting at chapter 1 verse 24, how would you guys summarise this passage or divide it up uh, helpfully? Uh, I would summarise it as uh, Paul taking joy in his struggle to proclaim Christ, um, that his goal is that the believers be complete in Christ. Um, That's achieved by them not being deluded by false teachings um, and mm-hmm. so that they can maintain this um, good discipline that he talks about in chapter 2 verse 5 so that they can maintain the good discipline and the stability of faith. I read um, the helpful division was from verse 24 to 28 which is Paul describing his sufferings and stewardship of the mystery then verse 29 to chapter 2 verse 3 Paul's labor for the Colossians and then we sort of start in verses 4 to 5 about the warnings of this deceptive teaching Great. So we've kind of thrown around this word ministry a little bit Paul's labor for the church How does he describe what his work is in this passage, his ministry is? So in verse 25, Paul mentions that he's been commissioned by God to present the word of God in all its fullness to them. So his ministry is bringing the word of God in its completeness to the churches that he's caring for. It's interesting, isn't it? Because in the ESV, am I right in saying that the word stewardship is used in verse 25. That's what the ESV says. Yeah, it was an interesting word, stewardship, isn't it? So it's kind of, um, it's something that I take care of Mm. and am responsible for um, as I share it. It's not mine, but it's something that I I take care of and and cultivate. I have Mm. stewardship over. It's a different concept, I think, from something that you own yourself. I think it's yeah, a similar idea with the word commission, I guess. He's been given the purpose of sharing this from God. So it's not his own aims, but actually it's something that's precious that's been given to him. Yeah, great. What else can we pick out uh, how Paul describes his ministry here? We're kind of especially thinking in the first chunk of the passage. Yeah, I mean, in verse 24, the elephant in the room is the (laughs) fact that this ministry causes him to suffer quite significantly. And that um, there's this line, in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That's Mm. quite controversial, quite a difficult phrase for us to settle with what we know about what the rest of Paul says. I, I don't know what you guys thought of it. Yeah, I think it's helpful to look at what Christ said to Paul on the road to Damascus, because he directly says to Paul, 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 why are you persecuting me? 
And at this point in time, Paul's not, Jesus is already in heaven and Paul is going around persecuting um, Christian brothers and sisters. Um, it's helpful to see in that perspective that when we suffer, Christ is actually actually suffering with us. So when he mentions that he's suffering there, actually Christ is also suffering with him in um, the trials that he has. That's really helpful. I have read similar stuff because when you take that verse at face value, so I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, it would be easy at that point to be like, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Is it talking about when Jesus was dying on the cross or is it something else? And I think that, yeah, you're right, Juliet. Most scholars kind of point to Uh, actually it's not saying that Jesus's death on the cross was not enough that's completely not what it's saying and the rest of the bible would refute that it's actually more in line with the fact that we as Christians we are still on this earth we are still suffering in a way that kind of joins with Jesus's suffering when he was on earth um, in his ministry John Piper has some good stuff on this that um, I found really helpful. He suggested reading the passage backwards, actually. So going from verse 29, um, where he basically says there is a purpose for Paul's labours and there's a purpose in the power of Christ. Verse 28, the purpose is that everyone he reaches is complete in Christ, not in Paul, through proclaiming, admonishing, teaching, verse 26 and 27. And and this is what Paul has been proclaiming or teaching, the mystery. Um, And then verse 28 is the proclamation of Christ is the fulfilling of a stewardship that God has given to Paul to spread God's word. And verse 24, all of this involves suffering, but the context is so important. You know what I'm like, you remove the text from the context and you're left with a con. <laughs> and so what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ is not that the what happened to Christ was deficient in worth or merit. Um, so they couldn't, they weren't sufficient to cover all of our sins. But what is lacking is that they're not known throughout the world yet. And that um, they're still a mystery to most people mm-hmm. in the world. And that God's intention is that they be revealed and extended to all Gentiles, so all um, non-Jews. At the start of Acts, Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, um, writes that in his first book, which is the book of Luke, that he began to, he wrote about what Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. And I found, and I heard um, um some teaching on this saying that actually acts is what Jesus is continuing to do. And so I think it's helpful to see that actually Jesus didn't just get taken up into heaven and isn't at work, but that actually he's been continuing to be at work. And so actually when the church suffers, he suffers too with us as he's, we mentioned last week that he's the head of the church and it's not really possible for the body of the church to be suffering and the head not to be affected. And so I think that's helpful to see actually his afflictions are ongoing because the church continues to suffer. And um, even today the church is suffering in many places. Um, And so Jesus continues to suffer with them. 
I don't mean this as callously as I'm going to say it, but it is God's intention that the afflictions of Christ be presented to the world through the afflictions of his people. And so, you know, the church Christians experience suffering for many reasons. And I, I mean, it can be like extreme suffering, like what's going on in Ukraine. It could be a sickness. It could be poverty, um, you know, or it could be something relatively mild. But when we when we offer Christ of the cross to people, that through our suffering and through our afflictions, they see the cross of Christ in us. You know, we make the afflictions of Christ real to people when we live the life of love and sacrifice and joy despite those or in those sufferings, in those afflictions, and yet we still hold to Christ. That's where the cross of Christ really is shown to people. When uh, I was younger, I was at university. My husband, well, the, my then boyfriend, but now husband's, um, one of his best friends had leukemia. He was only 19 when he died. Um, but the hospital staff could not fathom the way that that family were dealing with Chris's illness. They could not understand. They were, you know, even one of the nurses said, I, I've been to church. I've heard about Jesus so many times. I have never seen it lived out in a life until this moment. And that was through afflictions it wasn't through look how you know i think things like this knock the prosperity gospel out of the water <laughs> it's not prosperity that witnesses to christ it's in the suffering um mm. or in the sacrifice because taking the gospel or ministering to people requires sacrifice requires the denying of self and i think the challenge to us is that in verse 24 here paul says i take joy in that oh yeah he really does, doesn't he? Like throughout all his letters and in Acts as well, it's so challenging, isn't it? That he he takes joy in it and he encourages us to take joy in it. Um, and I think like, let's come back to that because we're going to talk a bit about our own struggles and suffering in ministry. But just, just pulling out a few more things about how he describes his ministry. I mean, he calls himself a servant in verse 25. Um, doesn't he and he he talks about it as making the word or mystery fully known so there's there's something in there isn't there that it's presenting truth to people um this stewardship that he's doing is is to do with presenting truth which obviously affects the colossians um warning and teaching with wisdom verse 28 um but yeah i think it's good that we major on toil and struggle because he mentions it quite a few times isn't he I mean verse 24 I'm suffering for you I'm reading from the NIV here um we've got 29 verse 29 to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me uh, uh chapter 2 verse 1 I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you um and we know don't we like from the bigger picture of his ministry he suffered a lot didn't he um how does this passage help people who are in ministry with their own struggles and suffering, do you think? I think verse 29 is helpful um, because Paul reminds us that he's struggling with all, well, the, the verse reads, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Um, and the he and his energy is Christ. So mm. it's not that we're doing this struggle alone. Um, Christ is who we're doing it for. And Christ is 
who is giving us um, the power and the ability to continue to struggle. Yeah, that's really helpful because we, I think that's one of the hardest things about ministry, isn't it? That we feel alone. And yeah, you're right. Like having that strength from Christ. I mean, what does it look like to draw on that strength? What does it look like to be ministering in Christ's strength? Would you guys say? I was reading a blog about, um, I was reading an article on the 20 schemes website. I would really recommend reading it. It's amazing. Um, And somebody was writing about kindness. I just wanted to quickly read a couple of paragraphs. So uh, the writer writes maybe you're like me hurting and weary maybe you're all out of steam you feel like you have nothing to give and all you can do is keep plodding along maybe kindness is a struggle and maybe you're discouraged well if this is you then I have good news for you because it's only when you get to the complete end of your own kindness and are forced to rely desperately wholly on God for the strength to be kind only then is when you start to live out real kindness and that's when you start to understand what kindness really is and I think Mm. the point of that couple of paragraphs is what does it look like to draw on Christ's strength it's recognizing that you cannot do it (laughs) and in those moments when you cannot do it praying please God help me have that energy for this person that I find exhausting (laughs) or help me find the ability to want to serve this person who is so difficult that's what drawing on God's strength looks like drawing on his energy looks like and I think it's helpful here where um in verse five Paul says to them that though he's absent in body he's with them in spirit and it helps us when we're feeling lonely I think um to know that actually there are other people who are also experiencing struggles um And not just other brothers and sisters, but actually um, that Christ is with us in our struggles as well. Yeah, it's helpful seeing, being encouraged by Paul himself, that um, Jesus's glory was so much more valuable to him than his own comfort. I think when we uh, see his example, when we see other people going through similar things, we can take comfort and encouragement and he says that their goal may be encouraged in heart and united in love and I find that yeah just even reading these words that it's a big encouragement isn't it you can definitely get a sense of Paul's love for the church in uh, Colossae yeah and it's that idea as well that word I like that word encouraged in verses two and three, where Paul's talking to them, you know, I want everyone who hasn't seen me face to face to be encouraged, etc. And this idea of enabling a person to meet a difficult situation with confidence, not in their ability to get through it, but in God's ability to walk with them through it. That's what mm. you're that's what you're aiming for in the struggle. And I don't know where which chapter, but in Isaiah, God says, you know, I will walk th- through the waters with you. Not I will take you out of the waters, but I will be walking through the waters with you. I'll be walking through the fire with you. Um, yeah. So when we have our own struggles, suffering in ministry, recognizing that we are not alone, God is with us in the struggle. And actually, when there is a struggle, it's when we're finding things hard because people aren't responding well to whatever ministry that is, even if it's 
shall I drive you to church every morning, every, every Sunday morning? And people reject that. It's not, they're not rejecting you. Yeah. Cause it's this encouragement that Paul gives the Colossians through his suffering. I guess for him, he sees a bigger goal, doesn't he? That they are heading for a great future, like salvation, like being with Jesus forever. I think sometimes in our suffering, I definitely find this, you know, being working overseas is such a struggle sometimes, um, even this week. Um, And I lose sight of what the big goal is. And I think just remembering what this is all for, you know, this is for these people to, like it says in verse two of chapter two, they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Like that is so worth it, isn't it? I think sometimes we forget how important it is that we uh, struggle through difficulties, but it's so worth it so that people may know these riches. And these are riches that will never go away. Like these are riches that they will have forever. Just chatting to you guys about it now, it just kind of encourages me to keep going in what feels like a difficult week. Um, So thanks for that encouragement. There's further encouragement, isn't there, is in these verses, Paul knew that unity comes not only from love, but also through growing together in God's truth. And often God's truth, um, we grow in that as we suffer. That's God's way of disciplining us and molding us and showing us more of him. False wisdom divides, God's truth unites. And so as we wrestle and struggle, um, we can grow together in God's truth. You know, that's one of the beauties of being in Christian fellowship. You don't have to struggle alone. There is an entire body of Christ around the world struggling and striving and toiling with you and praying for you. And that as you go through all of this, we can grow together in God's, in God's truth and know more of him. We've kind of uh, brushed over this a bit, but I wanted us to just think about this mystery because Paul mentions this mystery a couple of times uh, in verse 26 and in verse 27 and in verse 2 of chapter 2. What is this mystery that he keeps mentioning and why Yeah, why is it important here? So in verse 2, he, he spells it, he kind of spells it out quite plainly, doesn't he? He says that, Um, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Yeah, he mentions before that the mystery was not, was hidden. So God's people were waiting for this mystery, but they only had it revealed to them when Christ came. And so we all like context um, that I think this is what, (laughs) this is one of the areas that um, there was some false teaching around. Um, that mysteries uh, in uh, in the commentaries I was reading that the secrets and mysteries were part of this false teaching. And so um, a lot of the uh, Christian brothers and sisters at the time, they were looking for some additional secret knowledge and that would bring them closer to God or they would have some special experience perhaps. Um, but actually Paul spells this out quite plainly and says this mystery has been completely revealed to you in all its fullness. Yeah, and he's he's trying, isn't he, to give the Colossians an understanding of their full assurance 
that's where richness is. You know, even today, so many of us lack full assurance either of God's character. So we're sometimes unconvinced that he's really as good and loving as he is, or or we're um, lack full assurance of our salvation. And we wonder if, if the Christian life is for real. Um, but what Paul is saying that in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Like if you have Christ, there is no more mystery. Christ was the mystery that was revealed to all, including the Gentiles. It's now revealed to Jews and non-Jews. Um, and all those who are in Christ have full wisdom and knowledge. And that is gained through knowing Christ better. And I really, I read one thing about verse three that I really loved this word where it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's that idea of unveiling. But the word that um, Paul used in Greek, apocryphus, is the same word um, that the Gnostics used for their books that they had. So Gnostics being the people who believed like you needed to have special knowledge to be able to gain salvation and that that wasn't for the common man. And so um, and so Paul was kind of pointing the finger directly at them. Everything that you say is hidden in this book that nobody can access is actually available to all in Christ. And if they have Christ, they have it and nothing is hidden. Yeah, that would have been such an encouragement for the Colossians, wouldn't it? Because as they face some kind of heresy, it just just to know that they, you know, a child can understand the gospel you know and if that's true then isn't that amazing in our day and age there's a temptation as well isn't there to be like oh I've got a degree in theology or I've studied Greek or I do a podcast every week with my friends so you know my knowledge of the bible is deep and you know it kind of we're so underneath it all I guess proud but the gospel is so simple and we can all understand it. And yet there's this, there's this level as well of knowing it deeper. Like there are beauty, there is beauty in the depths of pursuing a deeper knowledge of Jesus, but it doesn't save us more, does it? It doesn't make us more saved. And I think that's what Paul really wants these Colossians to know, like seek Jesus, seek the truth hard, like seek after him, but it's not going to make you any more special or any more known and loved by God. It's all about trusting in Jesus for that. So in all of this, guys, was there anything else in this passage that challenged or encouraged you that, that you want to share? So challenged, Mary. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's great. I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes like when I, there's some parts passages I read I feel like uh, my heart's burning because it's like ah. <laughs> I, I'm so challenged by Paul taking joy in his sufferings and also just his love for the gospel that when he's thought about the gospel and how precious it is is much more valuable to him than his own comfort and I feel like I value my comfort very highly <laughs> And I've been very convicted to try and find ways in which I can be more uncomfortable, I guess. Not seeking after sufferings, but just knowing that actually it's really important for us to take risks for God and for the gospel. And actually that Christ is with us as we take those risks. And he's with us when we think about 
the consequences and the worst case scenarios and we can actually be quite a bit more courageous than we are at the moment <laughs> it's so it's it's so countercultural isn't it we come from a culture where we we are encouraged to not take risk and to run towards comfort um and pleasure and it's so hard isn't it to turn around and be that kind of salmon swimming upstream and being like no this is not what life is all about life is not all about being comfortable life isn't all about having a good time it's about loving others sacrificially it's about sharing Jesus with others because really that's where joy is and when we suffer to do that we show it don't we we show by our suffering that that's really where joy is if we can find joy in suffering then anyone in this whole world can find joy I find it really hard I mean I've had a week where I've definitely found my heart just moaning about different pressures and just being so busy and all of this and I'm like how how can I turn my heart around in these moments and rejoice that's a question for you guys (laughs) what does it look like to choose joy in suffering we love talking about heaven in our households. We talk about it a lot. Mm. Like what job you'll have. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be looking I mean, after the we're tigers, laughing. by the way. That's the thing. That's what made me hesitate. I mean, we're laughing, aren't we? And I feel like we've said this every week, the last few weeks, but Paul was able to find contentment in every situation. And Paul was able to find joy in the suffering because he had, because he had his eyes on the prize. Mm. you know he didn't mm. he didn't reduce his world to him he he well right. I'm sure he did have his moments but the the what we see in the bible is that he he always looked out and up he never looked down and in I once went to a women's conference and I hate women's conferences um but I went to one <laughs> And there was this awful cheesy line, but it just really struck me and it was really helpful. And it said, um, I mean, it's terrible. You're going to laugh. You're going to roll your eyes at me. But two women looked through the bars. One saw mud and the other saw stars. And it was a terrible cheesy line, but I found it so helpful. You know, like in those moments of suffering and awfulness, sometimes there is a choice. Like I'm not saying that God you know, all suffering and how you react to suffering is up to you because God does carry you through it. But there is also this element of, do I choose to look down and in, or do I choose and wrestle and toil and scream and strive to look up and out? That's so challenging, isn't it? I, I like from experience, I mean, I haven't suffered in my Christian walk as much as I'm sure tons of other people have, but in, an, in a time where I particularly struggled, which was when we moved to a place where I was incredibly lonely, and I think I was probably bordering on um, depression, and it was it was a really hard time. And I would I at that time, through God's grace, I read Anne Voskamp's devotional on uh, called One Thousand Gifts, I think it's called, and honestly, like her teaching on thankfulness and how to be thankful in suffering was so helpful to me like beginning a daily practice of literally I used to write a list every day or lots of days at the back of my journal 
And when I flick back to that list now, I'm like, I look at the things and I'm like, I was thankful for Diet Coke um, quite a lot. And things like the same things, lots of days, it was the Bougainvillea tree outside my house and things like that. They were such small things, but little small things like that can totally turn your heart out to the things that God is giving you, even though, you know, when friends reach out to you in dark times or the fact that the vending machine at the hospital happened to have your favorite crisps or, you know, all these things, like God is walking with us in our sufferings, like we were saying yesterday. And it's when we kind of try and open our eyes and fight, like Helen was saying, like fight for that worship in the darkness is when we find true joy, isn't it? It's not about being comfortable and like having a surface level happiness. It's about fighting for joy in dark places. And that's the real joy, isn't it? And that joy carries on into the Mm -hmm. happy times as well, but it's a more permanent joy. We need to recognize that sometimes people are going through things where they don't feel like they can have those thankfulness, but that's where the community of Christ comes together. We can thank God on your behalf until you're in that position to be able to, mm. to thank God yourself. There are times mm. when people are suffering through things where they cannot pray certain things for themselves. And that's where the body of Christ comes in and we support each other through that. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. I feel really encouraged by what we've been talking about this morning. I need to go away and reflect on some of this. And I hope it's helped our listeners too. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll be carrying on with Colossians next week. Bye.